My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us today. Uh, if you got your Bibles, we're in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Well, my heart is full for several reasons today, and I am just happy. This is good. This is good. So Colossians chapter 1, as we are apt to do each week, I'll read through all of Colossians 1, and then we'll start this week, Lord willing, uh, at the beginning, toward the beginning-ish of verse 6, and we'll see how far we get today. So Colossians chapter 1. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope and the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. You learned this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now... He has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him, if indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for you and am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. I have become its servant, according to God's commission that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, 
the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love, so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's so much fun to read. Holy mackerel. I hope you all like listening to it as much as I like reading it because it is a lot of fun to read. All right, so this morning uh, we are in, if you got your Teal book, I'm 1-0 right now, so we'll see if I, how long I keep it up. I did mention to Julie in the car this morning that we were studying Philippians, so I, hopefully I got it out of my, got it out of my system there. Uh, but we're starting on page 33 today. Uh, specifically, Lord willing, looking at this text, it is it being the gospel, is bearing fruit and growing all over the world just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to appreciate, truly appreciate God's grace. Uh, you learned this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. I love it when Paul... It, with these, these New Testament writers just love on each other. It's such just a beautiful model of it's okay for us to deeply care about each other, and it's beautiful. And I, we're just going to we're gonna love on Epaphras today, too. So uh, if, if God gives me breath enough to get there. So, uh, well, good morning to several folks online. Glad to have you all as well. Uh, but on page 33, we're going to pick up this morning with the It Is. So this is a present active indicative. So this is an ongoing action. It's a statement of fact. Uh, from the writer's perspective. So this is a, a fact from Paul's perspective. It is bearing fruit, which uh, should not, it, this should not surprise us in any way. Like this is what the gospel does. Um, when sown, the gospel bears fruit. Uh, this is a really interesting little Greek word. It's uh, carpo uh, foreo. Uh, the carpo there is the, the fruit in the forero is to bring or bear forth or to produce. And it's a present middle participle. So this present participle is this ongoing work, but the middle is when the subject is doing something that impacts also the subject. So if you think about the gospel is bearing fruit, the gospel is creating something that is also impacting the gospel in its spread and in the way that it is moving out. And I, I think this is really, really beautiful. Um, so one of our applications here, I think you probably already got one on page 33, but one of our applications here is that the gospel bears fruit when sown. The gospel bears fruit when sown. And I want to I call back, uh, this is, you, you guys remember what my favorite commentary on Colossians is? Have you memorized the guy's name yet? It's not Davenport, it's Davenant. Yes, thank you, because you've got the PowerPoint back there with you. you. There you go. You got it. That's all right. You, but you identified it of the several that we're quoting today, right? You got it. Uh, so Davenant is my, my new favorite, not because Spurgeon said he was the best commentator ever, but uh, he's got a pretty dang good commentary on, Col on Colossians. 
I almost said Philippians. I didn't that time, so that was close. Uh, but Dr. Powell is probably my second favorite right now because he leans into this idea that Paul is, is pulling from this treasure trove of Old Testament truth and giving like... Uh, I can't describe this without talking about Michael Jordan. Can you forgive me for just a second while I talk about Michael Jordan? All right, so Michael Jordan played what sport? Which one did he play best? <laughs> played basketball best, right? Uh, and Jordan was very, very good at a, a very subtle head fake or stutter step to throw the defender off, to make them go one direction while he went the other and did whatever he wanted. Now, he was also incredibly fast, but... Paul does this over and over in Colossians. He gives just a little bit of a head fake, not to throw the reader off, but to make the reader recall back to what God has been doing in the Old Testament. And most of the modern commentators actually believe this bearing fruit and growing language is, is a call back to this creation language back earlier in Genesis and Exodus and Jeremiah of we're going to we're going to go and you're going to multiply. You're going to go and you're going to multiply. You're going to go and you're going to multiply. And it's going to grow and grow and grow and fill. This is, in one way that you can think about this, a, a bit, not a, not a full end of all times eschatological new creation, new heaven, new earth, but this is the impact of the gospel, is that it, when it goes into places, when the gospel is sown, new life happens new growth happens, new things happen in a really amazing way. So if you want a homework assignment, you can like grab these and go do a little lookups on what's going on. But Genesis 128, I'll just read this one and just kind of make sure you understand what I am specifically referring to. You wouldn't think Genesis chapter 1 was hard to find, but... Genesis 1, uh, start verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, every creature that crawls on the earth. This is, this is uh, some, some folks look at this and see this is part of the fleshing out of the creation mandate of not only filling the earth with people, but filling the earth with God's word itself, um, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful conclusion to draw. So the only time this word is used in the New Testament, it's used several times by our Lord Jesus Christ when he's talking about the parable of the sower, this uh, carpe uh, phoreo. Um, it's, other, it's also used in Romans chapter 7, because, I mean, Paul doesn't talk about the gospel at all in Romans, right? There's no, nor any implications from the gospel in Romans, right? That makes sense. And then the other two times are here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 6 and verse 10. So it's very, very tightly associated with sowing and gospel-oriented work. Um, so the gospel bears fruit when sown. And a couple of personalizations for me here are sow the gospel, right? Sow the gospel. And then examine our lives for fruit. When I hold up the mirror of God's word and look into my life, do I see the fruit that the Spirit is creating, the result of what the gospel is doing? 
So it is bearing fruit. And then page 34 in the teal book. And growing. Now, tell me about this verb. Tell me about this verb, growing. What do you see about this verb? What's the morphology of that verb? It's a present, so it's, it's ongoing, right? It's participle. It's fine. It's ongoing. It's, but it's what? It's passive. What do you mean? What do you mean it's passive? I mean, something else is happening that is causing growth to occur. So let me say it as clearly and succinctly as I can. I don't cause my growth. My growth is a work of God through the gospel, by the Spirit, that abounds so that I then want to go and sow the gospel and help others grow. But I am not causing my growth. Growth is a passive for the recipient us. This is, I would argue, an expected outcome of the gospel. This is new life grows, right? How terrible a good news would it be if it did not produce life? Like, here's news. I think it's great. You're going to stay dead, but okay. That's awful, right? We have a good message that produces life. So application here at the bottom of 34 is the gospel produces new life. And once again, I'm, I'm going to put the mirror of God's word up to my face here and say, does, does my life demonstrate new life? So I'm gonna, my personalization is examine our lives for new life. Examine our lives for new life. And when we see it, what do you think we've got to do with each other? Rejoice! Yes, absolutely. We should thank God for that. We should tell each other, hey, this is, like, this is really, really good news. I saw evidence of new life in your life. That is praiseworthy. Our God is working, and this is good. Paul illustrates for us what it looks like to tell each other and encourage, other, encourage each other in the gospel. And then, um, and then we've got a little... It, it's awkward in English, I will say this, because if you put all of these in the English sentence... The English sentence sounds really, really wonky. So most modern translators begin to skip some of these kathos, verb, these kathos uh, adverbs. Uh, it's the word after growing here. It means just as or exactly as or along this same way. Uh, and then and, all over the world. So it's not just growing in Colossae. It's growing all over the world. So, so think about that for just a second. At that time, when Paul wrote those words, was it growing all over the world? All over the world they knew about. Was it growing all over the literal world? Was the gospel growing in North America at that time? I don't, I don't, I don't think it was. Right? And if you think it was, I, I'd love to have conversations around that because I don't know how the gospel would have gotten there at that time. Um, so this, I would argue, this is one of those spots where I would say uh, Jen Wilkin is very helpful to us here. Uh, be careful when we want to read everything in the Scripture literally as opposed to literately. Um, Davenant has a great quote here. He's, he's arguing for a good reading of uh, Paul. He said, Paul himself 
preached the gospel from Jerusalem as far as to Illyricum, Mark in Egypt, Matthew in Ethiopia, Thomas in India, Simon in Britain. That's, like, that's the part they knew, right? And from Paul's perspective, that was a true statement. It was, it was going out and exploding and growing, and this was really, really good. And God causes this growth, and the gospel is for the whole world. And this, is, this was not intended to be, now y'all stay in Jerusalem forever. You hang out right here, and you preserve, and you protect, and you hold on to it, and don't you share it. It's like, no, this is for everybody. It's one of my, probably the, my, my favorite sermon I have ever preached is Acts 9, the gospel is for everyone. When, when Peter realizes, holy mackerel, like, or maybe holy bacon, I'm not sure. Like, it is, it is for everybody, and it changes everything. Uh, and it's growing all over the world. This is beautiful. So then we get another at the top of uh, page 35 here, another cathos, uh, or just as, or in so much as it has among you. You're like, well, time out, Jim. That almost sounds like the gospel is for believers. Yep. I still, I, Lord willing, I'm going to beat this drum a lot as we go through Colossians, uh, that the gospel is for believers, the gospel is for believers, the gospel is for believers. And when we tire of hearing about the gospel, it is not the fault of the gospel. Right? This is good news for us, that we get to rejoice and celebrate in the continuing life-giving work of the gospel. So my application in the bottom of thir- page 35 here is the gospel is for believers. So what do we do with that? Receive it. When we hear the gospel being read, when we hear the gospel being proclaimed, when we hear the gospel being preached, when we hear the gospel being shared, receive it. That's awesome. So just as it has among you since the day, page 36, you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. Now, I'm a, I'm a big fan. If you've, if you've listened to me talk for very long, you know that I'm a big fan of like, the order, thing, the order God says things in matters. Uh, so what's the order of these two verbs here, the heard and the appreciate? Like it looks like it's heard and then appreciate, right? <laughs> okay. That's exactly right. This is you, gr- your group, heard and truly appreciate. Now, I'm going to show you a mistake in the teal book here. You ready? Look over on page 37, at the top of page 37. Do you see the N and then uh, aletheia, the Greek word aletheia there? That is the word for truth. That bracket should be after the word truly on page 36. I found that goof a couple of weeks ago. So We got 36 pages in before I made an error, I think. It's a much better error rate than Philippians was, so I'm, I'm okay with that. But if you want to draw an arrow from that uh, Aletheia back to the truly on page 36, you can fix your book and that'll be better. So, since you heard it and came to truly appreciate or fully acquainted with. So an application here for me is hearing comes before recognition. Hearing comes before recognition.
One of the crazy things in life is that we walk around thinking everybody believes what we believe and thinking they believe the same way that we believe and thinking that they came to the same conclusions that we come to using the same thought processes that we come to. And that is not the truth in any way, shape, or form. We have to hear it before we can truly appreciate it. Like, Brian, I'm going I'm to botch the quote, but Brian has this beautiful statement that I think he borrowed from somebody else. Um, the gospel has not been, f- not, I'm not, I'm not going to get it right. I'm not going to get it right. You know the quote he's talking about, the verbal proclamation? Uh, evangelism is incomplete without an explicit verbal proclamation of the gospel. You know the quote that I'm talking about? No? This is what I get for not writing the quote down. There you go. This is why I like to have a manuscript on Wednesday nights. <laughs> um, all right, so we'll go with Dr. Powell's quote on this. How about that? Uh, so Paul clearly reminds his readers that one's relationship with Jesus will affect one's relationship with others. Right? Is that, is that a logical conclusion? Is that our relationship with Christ should reflect our relationship with others, and one's behavior reflects one's belief system. Don't, don't go forward yet. Our behavior reflects our belief system. If our behavior doesn't reflect our belief system, what's that called? Hypocrisy, right? Yeah, I believe one thing, but I behave in another way. This, is, this might be the only thing that I truly, deeply love about our current culture, is that our current culture can sniff out hypocrisy from like four social media accounts away. It is like unbelievable how sometimes helpful this is to the believer to go, oh, wow, I'm not actually being consistent in my walk to what the message that I proclaim. Now let's go to the next one. So to emphasize one without the other, to emphasize your belief or your behavior is not only misleading, it is to misunderstand the demands of the gospel message. Now, I love the way that he's worded this here because the gospel is about repentance and faith, but the implications of the gospel are about a changed life and new life in Jesus Christ. Like, we look different because of the gospel. And believers look different because of the ongoing work of the gospel in our lives. It's, it's both and, right? This is the, the trick that some, the trap that some people fall into when they read James is, well, James is this work salvation. No, it's not. It's the outcome of the gospel. This is good news, too. This is really, really good news. So, we've, so before you come to, uh, you heard it and came to truly appreciate it. Did I give you the personalizations for that one? No? All right. Several of you were giving me a, a side eye there for a second, so here you go. All right, so personalization 1A, hear it, 1B, recognize it. Hear it and recognize it. Now, how does Paul categorize this growing all over the world and growing among you since the first day you heard and truly appreciated it. He categorizes it as God's grace. Like This is evidence of God's grace in our lives that he did not just save us and then abandon us because he could have set the whole thing up that way. I don't know if you've ever just stopped and praised God before for all the amazing things that he does they didn't have to do. He didn't have to engage with his creation. He didn't have to love his creation. He didn't have to send his son to die for his creation. He didn't have to send the spirit to indwell. Like, 
how much hassle does that have to be to go indwell all of his believers with his spirit and this constant war with the flesh? I so appreciate God's tolerance for hassle. Uh, like that is just really, really incredible. And Paul calls it God's grace. This is the wrapper that he puts around this. Like this is God's grace. The gospel is evidence of God's grace. It's awesome stuff. And then we get uh, a word that is not translated, and it aggravates me when we skip these sometimes. At the top of page 37, we've got another kathos that's not translated here. But you could say, and I would argue you probably should say, exactly as you learned this from Epaphras. Because what kind of a gospel is Epaphras preaching if he changes the gospel that Paul preached? a different gospel and a different gospel doesn't save like what we are never and this is the thing one of the things i love about getting to talk about the bible is that there are tight constraints around like this is the message don't mess with the message this is beautiful this is wonderfully restrictive and helpful so that we can double down and boldly proclaim and know that we know that we know i sound like a baptist preacher now that we are 100% confident in the truth of the gospel because it is so simple and can be articulated so clearly. That is wonderful. I am glad the gospel is simple. I am glad that Epaphras was able to explicitly and exactly communicate the gospel. So my application here is the gospel should not be changed. So don't go messing with the gospel. Now we can talk uh, method. We can talk style we can talk all sorts of different things but the content of the gospel that man is bad god is good jesus bridged the gap repentance and faith like the we we don't have permission to change that um, i was talking with a pagan friend of mine a couple of weeks ago at lunch and she um she said well well i don't like that message i said well okay I don't like that I get to call myself a sinner on a regular basis, but this is the reality. And I don't have permission to change the message. And she leaned back and she said, yeah, that'd be hypocritical, wouldn't it? Like, yes, yes, it would. Yes, it would. It's like, there's a glimmer of spark. It's like, yes, that's exactly right. Good. So then I tried to talk about Jesus as much as I could, and she didn't want to talk about Jesus. So we'll get back to that. It's okay. All right, so, it's, so who did the Colossians learn this from? Who? Epaphras. Can we say his name together? Epaphras. Just one more time. Epaphras. There you go. I don't want you to be scared of words with lots of P's and H's. Because they... I used to go through Bibles real quick. Because um, I'd try to say it out loud and I'm spitting all over the place. and It's, just, it's Epaphras. It's really okay. Uh, I, I mentioned last week what we think Epaphras' name is short for. Does anybody remember? Look at you guys listening. It wasn't even on a screen. That's fantastic. Yes, Epaphroditus. And if you, if you uh, take it one step further, what was the name of the god that Epaphroditus was probably named after? Epaphrodite, right? So which gives us a little bit of an insight into his upbringing, right? I do not have a name that reflects a non-Christian religion. If I did, that would indicate something about my upbringing. 
So the fact that his name is Epaphras, he probably didn't have the home life of Timothy, right? Like he's probably not a Lois and Eunice hanging around, walking him through God's word, teaching him the scripture. Probably not. But tell me about his gospel. It's exact. Paul was thrilled that Epaphras had the exact gospel that Paul was preaching that Epaphras went and shared. And I love that the gospel message is not dependent upon our parents. I mean, that to me is just... I don't see my mom watching this morning. She usually is watching. Uh, most of you know this, but my mom taught me how to read using the Scripture. Uh, have known the, like I feel like Timothy's... I've known the Scriptures from a little boy. And, uh, but she didn't have that. Because it's not about who your mama and daddy are here on earth. And I love this. This is just a, a beautiful, beautiful example. All right, so let's, let's back up for just a second. Uh, where does Epaphras show up in the Bible? Does anybody know? Two of the references are listed there in your, at the bottom of page 37. So he's, he's mentioned twice in Colossians. Does anybody know where the third time is? Say it louder. Jude? Philemon, yes, there we go. If you get a commentary on Colossians, the commentary on Colossians will almost always have a, a commentary on Philemon. The reason these two are joined together is that most commentators think that they were written at about the same time to the same city with a lot of the same kind of concepts. And one of the reasons for that joining of ideas is that Epaphras shows up in both. You're like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. So if you've ever been in a bookstore or been on a website looking for a commentary, because I know you spend so much time doing this, uh, and you've wondered why certain books of the Bible are grouped together, it's usually because all of the introductory material is basically the exact same, and it doesn't make sense to print all of that same stuff again. Just put the other material in the same book, and you're good to go. So I know that's what the, the riveting information you were waiting on this morning, Zeke, so... Now we're good. All right, cool. All right, so you learned this from Epaphras, who is just a, a beautiful example of a faithful believer. Uh, page 38, our dearly loved fellow servant. Our dearly loved fellow servant. I, I don't know what other kind of uh, accolades you're looking for in your life. But that's a pretty good one. Because I've, I've been around people who I dearly loved who were terrible at getting things done. And I've been around people who were amazing at getting things done and you could not tolerate them. And then there's a few people that I don't like and don't get anything done. You're like, good grief. I feel like McKenzie Four Quadrant thoughts here. Uh, but this guy is dearly loved and a fellow servant. <sighs> so Queen does not skip over the fact that that is a rare person indeed. I love that. So m most people, uh, I think myself included, believe that Epaphras was likely either an elder or the lead pastor of Colossians. 
um, because of the way that he is referenced here, um, it, at minimum, he had some significant role in the development of the church at Colossae. Uh, so I'm going to put him in the ministerial camp, uh, not the least of which because Davenant has this beautiful quote on uh, I skipped like three quotes, sorry. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so just so y'all are aware, I, I will read, I don't know, two, 300 pages a week getting ready for Sunday school, and I'll get 40 or 50 quotes that I think are, these are pretty good. And then you whittle and you whittle and you whittle and you whittle, and I'll put eight or 10 in the PowerPoint, and then I end up skipping over three or four of those, and I drive Dave nuts, and he's so gracious, and he is a dearly loved fellow servant. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, but it contributes much to the promotion of religion. Now, he wrote this in the 1600s, which is why it sounds wonky. All right, so just give him a break. Contributes much to the promotion of religion that a people think honorably of their pastors and ministers. For the priests of God to begin to be despised, for if the priests of God begin to be despised, religion will soon be despised and the worship of God condemned. You, you ever... You ever been in a church or known about a church where the pastor didn't have a good reputation and wasn't loved? It, it is really hard to line up and support somebody you just don't think is legitimate or loves the Lord or is clear about the gospel. Like those are, that's just tough. Um, so a couple of applications here on page 38. Ministers should be loved. Ministers should be faithful. I'm assuming here that Paul is setting Epaphras up as an example here. So, ministers should be loved, ministers should be faithful. So, love our pastors and thank God and tell others of their faithfulness. I mean, this is, these are good things, these are good, good gifts to us as a church. Does anybody know what October is? It's Pastor Appreciation Month. Who knew that this text would line up with the same month? That, yeah, there you go. Right. So ministers should be loved, so love our pastors. Ministers should be faithful. Thank God for and tell others of their faithfulness. So he is a faithful minister, a faithful minister, a faithful minister. Of who? Of Christ. Uh, thank God for and tell others of their faithfulness. Thank God of and tell others... Uh, thank God for and tell others of their faithfulness. So he is a faithful minister of Christ. And then there's some, uh, I will tell you, this is about 50-50. So you got, we've talked about variants before in the Greek New Testament, uh, where you've got, there's a couple of manuscripts that read it this way and a couple of manuscripts that read it this way. Um, the really, really recent research on this leans toward the direction that the CSB has got here on your behalf. Uh, but there are several manuscripts that talk about on our behalf. I tend to think, now, not a variant expert, so let me just hear right. In the context of this, Paul does not lean into his perspective and his need in this paragraph. It is much more about what the Colossians are doing and the relationship with the Colossians. I think on your behalf is a much better uh, rendering here. So, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf or for you. And then we get to page 40, verse 8. 
And he has told us about your love in the Spirit. Remind me again where Paul was. He's in jail. Chained to a Roman soldier. And what's the news that he gets? That this guy that he told the gospel to, told the gospel to somebody who went to Colossae and shared the gospel and they've started a church and it's going great. And he hears word back that they're love in the Spirit. You reckon that was good news for Paul? You reckon that was encouraging at all? Oh, man, that would have to be just unbelievably good news. So this, this word spirit on page 41, um, we're pretty sure this is a capital S spirit, right? The context here is, is pretty strong for a capital S as opposed to a lowercase s spirit. Uh, but I, w- I want to show you a quote from uh, Pace and Aiken's Christ-Centered Exposition. Uh, it's probably my favorite quote in this whole, this whole uh, lesson today. But the, the active involvement of the entire Trinity here, the active involvement of the entire Trinity. So our adoption by the Father provokes us to praise Him with gladness. Our redemption by the Son should motivate us to follow Him with gratitude. And then our conversion by the Spirit should empower us to obey, obey Him by going. When, when we think, like, I'm on an island. I'm all by myself. I'm all, no, 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 we're not. We're not. I promise you we're not. We're not alone. We're not alone here. We're not alone here. God's got both the horizontal and the vertical covered, and this is beautiful. So thank Him for it. The Trinity is actively involved in our salvation. And that's what I got today. That was a hard landing, but there we go. (laughs) All right, guys, so thanks for coming today. Uh, We've got our weekly update on your table. Um, So we've got prayer requests there. Please lean in, engage, pray. Uh, Can you go to the next couple of slides there, Dave? There we go. So any prayer requests you've got, write those down. Any that need to be corrected or updated, please write those down, correct and update them. Uh, After you have prayed, you are free to go and to worship the one who Paul, while chained to a Roman guard, could not stop talking about. And we still are talking about the same Lord Jesus Christ, and that is exciting. So let's go worship him well today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.